Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. It's Thursday morning, the birds outside Keith Towers are singing. Things are going pretty good. Ipswich Town are smashing League One to bits under Kieran McKenna and I am back in the host chair. Mark Heath and with me I'm very pleased to say three of my fellow Kings and we can only start in one direction today. Speaking of smashing things to pieces, Stuart Watson stepped in for me the last three games and you did a bang tidy job, Watson. This is simply unacceptable. When I'm away, you're meant to make a monkey's ass of things. As it stands, I'm clearly expendable. What have you got to say for yourself? Well, I've done my John McGrill stint. I was, ne- I was never going to turn down a brand that I, I know and love and have been with for such a long period of time. Um, needs must. I've come in. I've overseen my... Well, it was a three-game stint in the end, wasn't it? We thought it was going to be one. I, I didn't know. I was just waiting to, to get the call from you to tell me when, you know, when when I would slide back into this chair. So three games, I think I've managed to sail the ship through some rocky waters. And now I hand back the reins to, to the man that, that knows what he's doing. How would you evaluate in a, in a, in a true sporting cliche style your, your three-game spell? Because, I mean, clearly coming in for me, some big shoes to fill. It's like picking up Shakespeare's quill or writing a symphony after Beethoven. Mm. Um, so a lot of pressure on your shoulders. How did you feel about it? Difficult circumstances. Uh, obviously, the, the third game, we had a real injury crisis. It was down to just just me and Ross, <laughs> really, bare, bare bones. Um, so in, in the circumstances, I thought it was a, a solid, solid job, hopefully. Not for me to say. I thought you did a tremendous job. Um, it means that every single one of the Kings has now hosted the show at one time or other. We are, in, in Kieran McKenna's words, adaptable. We're like water. Um, and everyone can step up and do a job when it's needed. So thank you, Stuart. You did a, a superb job. And it's tremendous to see that in your locker. It showed a different side of yourself, if you don't mind me saying. Um, so Some would say power crazed at times. But um, also... Some might. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it. It was excellent. It's just as well, if I'm honest, because Andy needed a really good talking to over the trainers. And, um, you know, you're welcome because the trainers came back and so have the wins. And you've given me the perfect segue there into your your friend and compadre, Andy Hutch Hogan Warren. These trainers are becoming a thing. You know, back in the day when we were arguing about whether Honey Badger was a thing, before it definitely was a thing and then it definitely wasn't a thing. These trainers are definitely now a thing. And with that thing, Hutchie, comes pressure as to to when you wear them and who you tell you're wearing them, etc. on social media. I noted after the game, which clearly we're going to get onto in due course, a 2-0 at AFC Wimbledon. Stu tweeted to say he can confirm you're wearing the trainers and that got more likes and reaction than the actual game itself. Um, So do you now feel the pressure of this thing upon your feet, Hutchie? I got messages throughout the day on Tuesday. There's, <laughs> I got I got one saying, "Just seen you at Liverpool Street. Glad to see you're wearing the shoes." What? Um, someone stopped me outside Tesco's in Foxhall Road in Ipswich the other day and said, "Make sure you're wearing the shoes Tuesday. They're a thing. They are a thing." But there does come with pressure. They're not going to work forever. No. But I what I hope is that they've given Ipswich the springboard uh, to launch a genuine bid at promotion from this point. And that, that's what I hope. They're not going to win every game. We know that. There's bumps yeah. along the way. But what they have done is hopefully, um, with a little bit of help from Kieran McKenna uh, and some decent football, um, ignited something. It's a movement. Um, 
And that's all I can say, really. I'm proud proud to be a part of it. A movement on your feet. I also note there appears to be something of a lucky thing off between you and our columnist, Carl Fuller, who's claiming responsibility for, for several of the wins because of his lucky Marcus Stewart socks. I think he's a win behind you, though, in, in the lucky thing ratio. You've, you've done all four, haven't you, in your trainers? So you're very much leading that race at the moment. And we'll get on to later on, of course, Sheffield Wednesday. And perhaps, I don't know if you've, you've thought sartorially yet, Hutchie, as to what you may sport. Um, but we'll talk about that later. And of course, the final wheel on the KOA bus, but in no in no way the least of this four. Roscoe, the young prospect, the hairy young man, Ross Halls. I don't know what to say after that. Hairy young man, yes, I am. Um, all, all factually correct. Yeah, pretty much. Um, How are you? Yeah, I am very well, thank you. Um, it was good to see us win um, again. Kieran McKenna, Barmy Army. Wes Burns is a beautiful man. That is all I have to say. He is. Let's let's jump straight into that then, shall we, boys? Um, Ipswich Town have made it four out of five under Kieran McKenna at AFC Wimbledon. A, a tough game on Tuesday night at Plough Lane. I'm going to start this by saying three words to you, and I want you to, to say what you think by way of three words back to me. Stuart Watson, Wesley James Burns. Man in form. What, uh, Hutchie? Hits it hard. And Roscoe? Beautiful hairy man. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Wes Burns was was the standout uh, on Burns night. It was written, etc., etc. Um, But yeah, a good win. He got two goals. Stewie, kick us off with your thoughts on this game. Much like last weekend's game against Accrington, which didn't have it their own way. There were times where I was a little bit nervy, but they found a way to get the job done. And that is, how many times do we hear in football, win when you're not particularly bang at it is a sign of a successful side. And these last couple of games, I think, are are a marker of that. They were exceptional at Gillingham when they won 4-0, but we knew that it doesn't always go that way where you get early goals and everything comes together. Kieran McKenna recognised that himself after that game. Sometimes you have to be able to dig in in, in adversity when you go behind in games, when things are going against you, and, and that's what's happened. A um, couple of major turning points in both of those games. We talked about the Accrington game being the, the Walton save at one end, straight up there, every end 1-1. Could have been a completely different game. Uh, same happened again on Tuesday night when Luke Wolfenden blocks on the line. We thought it hit the post on the night. It turns out it hit Christian Walton's flailing hill. And um, Ipswich go on to win through those two Westburns goals. So when things like that are starting to go your way, it all adds to this feeling of maybe, just maybe, the footballing gods, the momentum, whatever it is, is, is kind of with us at this moment in time. So... We shall see. Now on to a a very big one at Hillsborough next on on Saturday, of course. Yeah. Uh, Momentum with us, unlike Bill Withers, Stewie. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I've got an apology to make there, haven't I? Bill Bill Withers is is actually no longer with us. So, um, uh, sincere apologies to (laughs) to, uh, the Withers family. Um, Unintentional, that one. Um, RIP, Bill. Absolutely. Uh, moving back to, to Tuesday night at Plough Lane, Hutchie, away from uh, sadly no longer with us, Bill Withers. Um, I want to take you back pre-kickoff. 
clearly there was the Moors news come in, uh, and then the team sheet came out, and there was a there was a little bit of, of gnashing of teeth amongst the the ITFC community when you see Caden Jackson starting and Macaulay Bond on the bench. What did you make of the the starting eleven? Uh, Macaulay Bond to the bench didn't didn't shock me. I th- it, it, if anything, I think he's he's due a rest. We we know he starts he starts pretty much every game for Ipswich. He's due a rest at some point. Hmm. Um, Caden Jackson's obviously a surprise coming into the side. That that's I think that's a first league start for him since last April, the best part of a year. So. Um, a surprise to see him come come in, and, and he's not he's not done the business when he started games previously, so it was a, it was a surprise. But I don't think giving Macaulay Bond a rest is a bad idea. He came mm. on and made made a goal in his ten minutes. I, I I think it could could really rejuvenate him. Mm. What did you make of the game as a whole, Hutchie? It's much, much as I think Stu summed it up pretty roundly there. Um, winning when not at your best, weathering the storm when you need to scoring when you get the real chance to score um mm. two pretty similar goals from a man who scores goals from that position on the pitch that's his little 15 20 yard box area to thump the ball in so um so yeah it's another win just, just doing what you need to do to win and keeping clean sheets is the big one for me mm. because they look so they look really organized and really solid with that back three it's really working for them um and, and that's giving them the platform to win to win these games where they're not playing very well and and not making chances for themselves. Because if, if you're already 2-0 down by the time Wes Burns gets one of those opportunities, then um, it's no good, is it? Mm-hmm. Rossi, in, in game day, post-game, which is always a joy to watch after a, a win midweek, everyone's so happy. Um, <clears throat> a, lot of the, a lot of the sentiment was, this is a game under Paul Cook or Paul Lambert that would either have finished 0-0 at best or more likely we would have lost. Is that a sentiment you would uh, agree with? Yeah, because um, the first half was a very forgettable affair, I have to say. Um, it was cold. Nothing really happens. Wimbledon, Wimbledon were there for the taken, really, but just we just, I don't know, just couldn't get in front. And McKenna said it was a mixed bag. I thought it was. Mm. We won the game ugly, and that's what I like. I'm liking that we're winning these games ugly. And as you said, under Paul Lambert, under Paul Cook, this game would have ended a nice nil-nil or... You know, the other side would have got a, an, a scrappy goal and then we'll be going up away very unhappy. But uh, no, times are changing again under McKenna and that's what we like to see. Winning ugly and that is what Town are finally doing, just getting those wins over the board. Yeah, I wouldn't say this was ugly in the in the Accrington sense of, of yeah. ugly. It was more frustrating, I would, I would say. That first half, Ipswich had a lot of the ball but didn't, really we were back to kind of lots of possession but not really having that cutting edge at the end of it there was that the final ball wasn't there they kind of got funneled wide quite a lot and it was back to being a little bit predictable and Wimbledon were able to kind of just be organized and it was hard to see Wimbledon never looked like scoring in a month of Sundays Hmm. I think Andy tweeted that at half time and people sort of told him not to tempt fate but you could Wimbledon were without Woodyard who's their influential midfielder who's injured their top goal scorer, Ollie Palmer, had just been sold to Wrexham. They looked pretty toothless, but as, as Ross says, the game was there for the taking. And I think McKenna had that conversation at half time, but he wanted them to control, he wanted the possession to be in more dangerous areas. He, he wanted them to take more risks. And that happened in the second half. But by McKenna's admittance, they then, by taking those risks, they lost a bit of the control of, of the game. 
mm. and became a little bit more ragged at the back. And there was a 10, 15 minute spill at the start of that second half where suddenly Wimbledon got the crowd on side and, and Ipswich had to sort of, I wouldn't say ride a storm, but ride a couple of awkward moments. Obviously that, that, that Walton save was, was one, but um, eventually you've, the, you hope that that, that quality, that the greater quality that Ipswich have shines through in, in moments. And that's what happened with both of the goals. Wes Burns gets all of the, the headlines, of course, um, but two fantastic assists as, as well. Mm. Um, Jackson involved in the build-up for the first with a, a driving run up the left. Norwood does really well to shield the ball in midfield and lay it on a plate. And the second one, as Andy's reference, is, is an unbelievable cross-field ball from Macaulay Bond. So those moments of quality that we're seeing from Ipswich, that we all knew was in this squad, are starting mm. to... We need them to count on a regular basis, be it Burst and Selena's fantastic through ball against Accrington or, you know, those sort of moments, class moments from players that really on paper should be too good for this level, need need to start making the difference regularly. And they are mm. at the moment. And that's uh, that's good. Hutchie, we'd seen several times under Paul Cook that this Ipswich Town team is capable of, of winning big and tearing teams apart. But equally, they were maddeningly inconsistent. Under McKenna, they seem to have an extra spring in their step, don't they? They've kind of an extra level of confidence. When you when you you read and obviously you, you speak to the players after the game, to a man they're saying how much they're loving things under McKenna. Um, mm. It's really noticeable, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's genuine as well. Like that, you, you do get that impression from every every single one of them that they're really enjoying this spring in the step is the right expression. I think, and it's the consistency that they've managed to to play with. That, that there aren't supreme kind of highs and lows with this team it, that it's built on something that appears to be quite solid that I don't they haven't always fully clicked in a, in an attacking sensing mm-hmm. in games certainly like Accrington obviously this game Bolton they didn't but in all of them they, they looked pretty solid at the back and played with principles so mm-hmm. in terms of kind of installing a installing a we're not talking systems, are we? We're talking kind of installing kind of ideologies almost. Mm. It, it, that That's happening. And, and hopefully that the real, real quality can continue to grow with it because we, we have seen that as well. And like Stu says, that their big moment, the big moments are coming and they've just got to make them all, make them all, um, make them all count. Stewie, we, obviously I've joked about um, McKenna being dull. Uh, and you know he's he is very kind of on the level, isn't he? But when you speak to him after games, and you know fans obviously watch interviews with him and stuff, he does seem to be a guy that when he speaks, you get the, the impression that that people listen. He's got that kind of understated um, authority, hasn't he? If you know what I mean. Um, which I think, as a player or anyone kind of connected with him, you can't help but kind of be swept along with. Yeah, I, I think that's bang on. I think when he talks. You engage with what he's saying. I think there's some some managers that after a while, I'm sure it just becomes a bit of a noise. We found that as as fans, as people just listening in from from the outside, that after a while it doesn't really mean anything. And I'm sure that that is the case for players in the dressing room. Um, he's considered. I think he puts a mm. lot of thought into what he's saying, and and therefore we put a lot of thought into to to dissecting what he says. Um, there was a little joke in there as well. You say he's uh, he's quite sort of straight, but I imagine the more we get to know him, I think he's someone that will probably see a bit of his personality show a little bit more. I said to him, four wins from five, Kieran, you, 
the start to senior management couldn't have gone much better. And there was a big, big <coughs> smile. And they said, "Well, five, five wins and five might have been, might have been better." But um, I, I, I like him. It's just completely different. You think we've we've had over the years we've had some big, big personalities in Mick McCarthy, Paul Cook, um, Paul Lambert. And can go on, and he's he's mm. different and um, refreshingly different. And uh, Andy's right; you can tell it's it's genuine warmth from the players at the moment. I will add the slight caveat that I've heard this genuine warmth from players before towards managers mm. in the early days of the honeymoon period because they're winning, and when 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 they're winning and they're playing well, the players always love it. And then the tune can <clears> change <throat> further down the line. But touch wood, I'm, I'm hopeful that this is. This is a little bit, there's a bit more substance behind this over over the long term, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned winning there. Traditionally, when town change managers, they don't win. So this is is a very pleasant surprise indeed. Um, Roscoe, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously Sam Morsey um, w- was given the, the news before the game on Tuesday, which meant that we saw a, a starting midfield that we've not seen before. They've, they've probably never played together um, and it probably was not planned at all. But Tom Carroll and Tyreek Backinson um, played in midfield. How did you think they did? Uh, Better than I thought, because um, I thought that is a very lightweight midfield. Um, Backinson and Carroll as well. Carroll, who really hasn't had many minutes since he joined the club. Um, Unfortunately, he's had a few injuries. But I thought they did okay against Wimbledon side. I think if they had that Woodyard in midfield, it may have been a a bigger test for them. Mm. I thought they were pretty... Okay. Um, still, you know, no doubt it was. You know, Morsey was a big miss because he will always be. He was that. He's that leader. Once again, quoted Andy Warren, he's the the chief. Um, or what did you say again, Andy? Scrap, scrapper in chief. Scrapper in chief. <laughs> My blank straight away there. Um, so you sort of you sort of lose that a little bit with Morsey because he'll be fighting for every ball. I'm not saying Backerson and Carroll didn't do that, but I just that's not really part of their game. I think Backerson's more laid back sort of way just you know he's mm. no I think they did okay in this game but going forward we shall see if they Sheffield Wednesday will be a different task mm. about Morsey again mm. it is Backinson is it Stu? Uh, still to be, still to be officially confirmed that's what Andy Warren is, has got strong feelings on this so that's that's what we're going with Backinson to me that Blame sounds me. like a, it, Backinson sounds like a cockney giving like parking advice Keep coming, keep coming back in, son. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. What did you make of, of back in, son, on, uh, on Tuesday night, Hutchie? Um, similar feelings to Ross, really, on that. I I think they did okay. Um, I I think Tom Tom Carroll, particularly against Accrington, that was a tough, a tough ask for him, sort of coming in at the last minute to play a role that they weren't expecting him to have to play and he did it there um i think he w- he was added some a level of composure in this game at, at times backinson saw flashes of what he can do won the ball back a few times a couple of nice little through balls but they I, like like ross said i don't think they had the same effect that that morsey and, and evans even as as kind of a bit of a well oiled machine would have had on that game midfield the center of midfield wasn't a strength in particular mm. i didn't think for ipswich in this game that's why a lot of it ended up going Going down the flanks, and I think probably is probably why Aluko and Norwood didn't didn't get into the game as much as 
they could have done through the middle because so so much of it was kind of going going wide. But they did it. They did okay. They won. Um, they helped out in the defensive effort. They made a that solid base for Ipswich. And um, yeah, there's there's some things to be encouraged about with um, with Backinson. I don't think they would have expected him to play even in this game. He obviously mm. came onto the bench very last minute against Accrington and. I very much doubt there was any thought whatsoever that he would have started against against Wimbledon. But um, considering that, I think they did okay. I think you lose a bit of forward thrust with Morsi in midfield. I think it becomes you're back to having sort of two sitters or certainly the natural game of Carroll and Backinson is to kind of sit in front of the back three, receive it off the back three, technical, tidy passes of the ball. But Morsi, especially since McKenna's arrived, has kind of had this license to get forward a bit more. And I think they provide a bit more lateral movement instead of sort of him and Evans sitting side by side. You've seen the two of them sort of go a bit more vertical at times. And Morsi has that ability to keep the opposition second guessing. It's not always going to go wide, as was often the case before. He's someone that can can drive it and carry it up the pitch a little bit more. And Backinson did join the attack, but more in the sort of second, third phases of play. And... Um, I think Ross is right. I think they, they came through this game fine with those two, but I think there'll be other games, um, notably Hillsborough on, on Saturday, mm-hmm. who we'll talk about in a bit more depth later, I'm sure, that will be maybe you'll, those are sort of games where you miss not only Morsi's grit and his leadership as a captain, but also that sort of forward thrust that he's, he's added sort of through the through the centre of the park, some of that sort of central penetration that he's, he's brought to the side. Mm. Stu... Clearly, we're sitting here. It's January transfer window, um, silly season. What, what if anything, can we read into this kind of sudden re-emergence of, of Caden Jackson, who has been in the wilderness and then started making ventures? Now he's starting. Um, it, when we talked at the start of the month, he was one of the ones we all kind of went, well, if people are going to leave, he's the sort of player that you expect to see leave. Is there anything we can re- read into KJ suddenly making a reappearance? Yeah, it's a massive surprise, no doubt about it, to suddenly see him jump into the starting lineup. It's his first league start of the season. It's his first league start since that 3 0 defeat at Northampton back in April last year. I have got the feeling, and I think we've said this a couple of times on the pod, that McKenna's quite liked him, his attitude and the way he's trained, and and he articulated that after the game that I think it's a message to everybody in the squad that no matter who you are, no matter how far you feel out of the picture, if you train well, you will get your reward. And I think it's mm. not not only is this a boost to Caden, but it's probably a boost to a lot of players that, that you know, and the depth is ridiculous. In that second half in front of us, we saw Chaplin, Selena, Bon, Piggott, Kyle Edwards all warming up in front of us. And you're thinking, you almost feel sorry for Wimbledon, you know, in terms of the options that they've got to come on. So I'm sure there are some, if not angry players, certainly some sort of frustrated players. You get the feeling there's a really good team spirit and they're all pulling together, but there'll be some players that are quietly frustrated that that good players haven't come here to sit on the bench. And this, I think this is really good man management from McKenna to almost sort of make a point to everyone, not just Jackson. And and what it will mean for Caden going forwards, I don't know. We're getting close to the end of the window. Hmm. You would suggest that you know he, he quite likes him and, and he's a different type of attribute in terms of his pace. He's he's a different option for them. And I, and I thought he he did all right actually. There were still some moments where there was a bit of a loose touch and things that we've seen from Caden before, but also all the good stuff that we remember as well. He ran really hard. He charged people down. 
the club put out a tweet about his high intensity number of sort of yards run and everything like that had his flashed a few crosses across the box had his involvement with the goal so maybe certainly for the second half of this season he's got a role to play then then what happens from the summer onwards I don't know mm. actually in terms of that depth I'm, I'm reminded of a great story basketball wise you'll like this back in the day a player called Charlie Ward won the Heisman Trophy as a quarterback chose to play basketball played for the New York Knicks who of course their great rival was the Chicago Bulls um, he was once guarded during a game by the great, the greatest Michael Jordan uh, for most of the game. Uh, and when Jordan switched off him, Scotty Pippen took him, who, if you know anything about basketball, Scotty Pippen, also like Jordan, one of the greatest defenders in the game's history. Uh, and to me, and this is a comparison that's never been made before, but I was I was moved to recall that when Selena and Chaplin come off the bench um, on the 70th minute at AFC Wimbledon. It's almost unfair, isn't it? The, the, the end to that story is that Charlie Ward started crying when, when Pippin picked him up. He was like, this is just not fair. Um, and it's similar, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you shouldn't be able to bring players like Selena and Chaplin off the bench in League One. That, sh- that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I didn't see any tears from, from AFC Wimbledon. <laughs> but, um, but no, you make a good, you make a good point. It's, they're, they're different players to the, the players they replaced with um, in that front three. And both of them would have been unhappy to have been Dropped to the bench, I think, after after the win against Accrington at the weekend. Um, but yeah, there are options galore. It means slightly different approaches um, depending on which one of them is on the pitch, which is good as well because it, it cha- changes that challenge a little bit and can add a little bit of a new dimension. You can tell at the moment whenever Selena's on the pitch, I think he always plays like this, but p- particularly at the moment it's ramped up a bit that he's looking to do something. He is looking to make an impact whenever he, he gets on the ball. And um, that's the kind of Bursant Salina that you want actually may, maybe uh, during his first spell, we talked about him being a bit of a super sub, didn't we? And it, it was a, it, it was a tag he didn't particularly like, but it, it did get the moments out of him. It did get, it got something out of him under Mick McCarthy in that role. So maybe, maybe having him hungry at all times, um, might be the best way to use Bursant Salina between now and the end of the season, rather than letting him coast through starts every single game. Hmm. And also, I think you may mention of it in, in Monday's show, Stewie. Obviously, we know Macaulay Bond is, is town's leading scorer. But now, if you look behind him at the people coming up who are getting goals, you've got Chaplin. I think Chaplin's on eight, is he? Burns is on eight. Um, there's there's goals coming from a lot of different places, which is, is not something... How often have we spoken about seasons going by where Ipswich have struggled to get a striker into Mm. double digits for goals. And now we're talking about a couple of sort of attacking midfielders slash wingers hitting double, double figures. Mm. Um, You know, spreading the goals around is is great. If I'm being picky, I'd like to see a few more from, from defense now and again, there'll be games where it doesn't necessarily happen for the forward players and set pieces had quite a few at Wimbledon. Never felt like they were going to score from one, and that's been a bit of a theme for the season. We we know that they're perhaps a little bit undersized. We talked about that after the Accrington game, but um, I'd like to see a little bit of an improvement from from set pieces. If you look at Rotherham up there in the table and others, I know it's not their natural game, but just to chip in now and again, you might you might just need there might be a day where you just need a set piece to drag you through. So there's mm. improvements to be made there. Carol has. Carroll's got the ability to whip 
whip her left footer in right underneath the crossbar. So I think they can get a little bit more joy on that if, if they uh, maybe work on that a little bit. That's interesting. I was going to ask you, I'm going to come to you, Rossi, to finish this segment because there's, there's a big question I want to ask you before we move on. Um, but Hutchie, obviously, we, since McKenna's come in, there's been a lot of sweetness and light and excitement and rightly so. Um, things have been going well. But is there anything, Stu there just pointed out, um, you'd like to see improvement from set pieces. Is there anything that you've seen that maybe you think town need to improve or gives you any kind of pause for concern? I'd agree on, I'd agree on the set piece thing. Um, cause for concern, I, I would say no, not really. The, the worry I've got is they got through the game without Morsi on, mm. on Tuesday night. They've got three more to get through now. Um, obviously, two of them are against Gillingham and, and Doncaster, the, who are teams they've scored 10 against already this season. So you, you'd like to think that that's not going to prove too much of an issue for them. But we were even talking about this from the summer onwards when Morsi was playing a, a different role. Um, who was his deputy? Uh, because that's seven, seven games he'll have missed through suspension for Ipswich now beginning with the one that he had at the beginning. And I'm really enjoying watching him play at the moment um, in under McKenna. I really like the role they've got him, got him mm. playing and it shows different sides to him, but I'm not sure who, who can replace him in that role. And, and that's the thing that I think I've enjoyed the most under McKenna is watching the bit more drive from midfield. And I think that's getting the best out of other players because it's opening up runs for strikers. It's allowing a Luco who, who's, played as kind of a number 10 at times is allowing a Luco to find pockets because Morsi's driving into space and occupying people. Um, it's allowing the wingers to get up and get an overload because Morsi's moving the play up with the ball at his feet. And I just worry, not just through this suspension, but if he misses more time, which isn't impossible with, with injuries mm. and things, um, whether they've got someone that can can replace him in, in, that, in that role. That's, that's a worry. But in general... I'm just really enjoying what I'm seeing. It's building. I, I like the solidity and, and I think there's enough creative talent in the team to find a way to score goals. So I'm, I'm not I'm not sitting here feeling particularly concerned, if I'm honest. I love the way you, I think it was the way you started or at least part of the video post-game on Tuesday night. You kind of looked at Stu in a kind of sheepish, kind of whisper it quietly sort of way and went, it's starting to, starting to build something like momentum here. This is uh, yeah. not something that we're used to. yeah. Yeah, we're also used to false dawns and yeah. one step forward, two steps back that you kind of you're reluctant to kind of invest in, in this a little bit. But Tuesday felt like a significant landmark. We'd seen earlier in the season where they'd gone win-win, defeat at Plymouth, bounce back with a win. And then I can't remember what the next result was after that, but it, it stopped again. So this is another little hurdle that they've just gone beyond now. Mm. Kieran McKenna's won back-to-back -back games twice. Paul Cook managed that once in his entire time at Ipswich and McKenna's done it twice already within within a few weeks. So it just feels like they're just new ground is being sort of new barriers are, are sort of being crossed week by week at the moment. You know, can they come from behind? Yes. How will they react in in you know, they're answering lots of different questions along the way. And I think that, that will that gives you a go-to for the players in in within games. What happens if this, you know, situation mm. X unfolds? And similar themes kept unravelling under Cook, didn't they? Oh, we, when we go in front, we'll lose it. And it becomes like a psychological block. And, that, and then we're now getting these little psychological boosts that, yes, we can come from behind. What happens when we play someone physical? Yeah, we can deal with it, you know? So it's, uh, 
quietly, quietly things are starting to starting to build, but we have to kind of uh, te- temper our enthusiasm for now. I think Saturday <clears throat> would be a would be a major point if they can navigate this game. Can we dust off, Stu? You know, in the great Watson anthology of, of terms, you used I think it was Quiet Revolution. Was that under Mick McCarthy? Um, I can't remember when that what that period that was, but can we can, could we maybe dust the cobwebs off that and, and bring that back? Quiet Revolution under Kieran McKenna? Uh quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was sort of circumstances were a little bit different. That was when things were starting to come together under under Mick McCarthy that Ipswich should were doing it on a budget and they were doing it in a probably an understated, un, unfashionable way. Um, whereas we've just talked about the depth and the money mm. that Ipswich has spent. So I think there'll be more more eyes on this this revolution if it starts to gather pace in, in the way that we, we hope it will. But um, yeah, I can see the comparison of, of a feeling. Sometimes you just get that sort of gut feeling that something special... Mm. It's starting to come together. I think it may be a little bit early still for to, for that conversation to be happening, just just yet. But um, it's nice to feel positive, isn't it? Mm. I'd take the word "special" out of that. I'd mm. say we, we can add "special" in a few weeks. I'd say some something. It feels like something's coming together. Yeah. Maybe, maybe give it a few more weeks, and we'll chuck we'll chuck "special" back in. And it's certainly a bond between Touchline and Terrace, isn't there, Stewie? Uh, trademark Stuart Watson. And the man who captures that bond between Touchline and Terrace, better than anyone else, is, of course, Roscoe in your game day videos, Rossi. Um, but going back a few weeks now, uh, I, I forget the date. I think it was late December, early January, around that sort of time. You sat there in that very chair and you said, you looked us all dead in the eye and said, this season is dead. Call it off now. Stick a fork in it. It's done. Um how are you feeling about that now? Town are five points off the playoffs. Yes, it's still um, they still have got obviously they've played more games than the most of the sides above them. But how are you feeling now when Town have won four out of the last five games? You've got a new manager who might be the greatest manager of all time. Um, how are you how are you feeling about that prediction, that statement, that bold opining? I have an announcement to make. Um, oh, I, I have a twin, and um, he's very <laughs> negative. Um, no, I'm I'm going to keep to it because I can't go back, can I? Um, of course, at that time, Paul Cook was still in charge or he'd just been sacked. I think I said it after the Barrow, nil-nil. No, no, the Barrow lost in the FA Cup. I think that was when yeah. I said it. Mm. And I just thought, how are we going to get out of this mess? Even if we get in the whatever manager, the Messiah, whatever manager. And of course, Kieran McKenna came in. And when, when he came in, I thought, oh, this is a risk. And I was like, okay, no, season's still dead. But I'm, they're proving me wrong, this team, this squad. Um, where's Burns? Burns, you're tearing up heart away, wherever, however it goes. I should know, really. I, I, I <laughs> you, recorded, you recorded the clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it's Burns. Burns will tear you apart again. And it's like, yes, oh, that's like it. That. Yeah. yeah. There it is. But, um, but no, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be brought up for a very long time. Um, until we do eventually maybe fall apart and um, the season will be dead again. But um, no, it's good that fans are and the, the players are together again because after the Charlton game, the last time we were in London, dearie me, that was a mess. Mm. But thankfully back at the capital, fans and the players all together, loving it. And yeah, that, that song was sung well, they left and yeah, 2-0 to attract the boys. And um, a lot of happy town fans left that ground thinking, hmm, something's happening here. 
Something but, is happening. But you don't think anything's happening. You think the season's still there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't stick with it. I, um, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't want to be going to games and thinking, oh, this is pointless. You know, we're not going to get the plush. You know, I, I have that little hope there. Come on, come on, town. Mm. Just don't, you know, break our hearts again because that's what always happens. That, that's the hope that kills you. Mm. Um, of course, one of those players who's, who's proven you wrong uh, and won't now be able to play for the next couple of games is Sam Morsey. Um, we know Roscoe, he's particularly keen to prove you wrong. Um, uh, because of that very proclamation, the season's dead. He's, he's taken that on and, and wants to prove you wrong. But unfortunately, he's not going to be around for the next few games. Um, and clearly, we've got to talk about that. I have quite a lot to say about this, boys. So I don't know if you just indulge me for, for a minute or so um, from the, the incident on Saturday. But for me, this whole thing encapsulates what I hate about football more than anything. And it makes me turn off games. Number one, you've got the incident itself, which was described as a shove stroke punch. Like I know that wasn't a punch. Like I don't even need to see the incident to know that wasn't a punch. Sam Morsey described by Andy Holt as a shit house. He's right there. He's a shit house. He's a brick shit house. He's if, our Sam, house. if Sam Morsey punches someone in the face, all I need to, to do to know that was a punch is look at the guy's face. Ethan Hamilton after the game, he didn't have a black eye, he didn't have a broken nose, he didn't have a busted cheekbone. That was not a punch, number one. Not a punch. At best, or at worst in this scenario, it was a shove to the face. A rugby-style, American football-style handoff, stiff arm, whatever you call it. Not a punch, number one. Number two is the reaction, <clears throat> which is part of the culture of football, I know, that whenever anyone makes contact with your face, you fall over and grab it as if you've been shot. What is wrong with people? Why do they do that? I'm not having to go at Ethan Hamilton here, because I know he said he's come out afterwards and said... I'm an honest player, but what, when did it become acceptable to react like that on a football pitch? Like if, if you move that incident about hundred yards this way off the pitch and onto Portman road and Sam Morsey pushes Ethan Hamilton in the face, he doesn't roll around on the floor. He stays on his feet, doesn't he? Like a normal person would and probably goes back at him. So when did that become part of the culture of football? I know it's not as bad in league one and it's worse in the premier league. It's a lot worse in the premier league, but that, for me, that makes me so angry. And number three, <clears throat> Accrington Stanley. I wasn't at the game, but I know from listening to the, to the podcast on Monday, they were giving it out during the game. What was the worst thing you, that could be said about you at school when you were a kid? <clears throat> when you were bantering with your friends, the worst thing that someone could brand you was you could give it out, but you can't take it. Accrington Stanley can give it out, but they can't take it. I thought that was appalling. I've got to say, the moaning after the game about such a petty, minor incident. To use a, a phrase from the IT crowd, the name of a show. Are we not men? What are we doing here? This is this is a complete joke. This is ruining the sport of football, this sort of thing. And it's making me turn off and it's making loads of other people turn off as well. <clears throat> anyway. That's me done there, boys. Um... Here, here. Well done. I think you'll uh, as a rousing speech that I think you'll have uh, people nodding along. I haven't got a lot a lot to add to that. I, I, why has it got to this stage? Because if you don't go down, you don't get free kicks, you don't get penalties, and and football has had its opportunity over the years to to stop that, and it hasn't. So. I think clubs and players have got to a stage where 
what, what do you do if you don't go down? You don't get a key incident. What are your what is your manager going to say to you? And the stakes mm. are so high at whatever level now that you everybody is looking for marginal gains in the game, and unfortunately, it's forced people towards the very edge of what we would describe as competitiveness, bordering into cheating. And that's where we're at, isn't it? And unfortunately, the decision on this one now just gives the green light for, for others to do the same, doesn't it? Mm. Um, you get rewarded for it. It's more than, you know, not getting punished. You get rewarded for it. That's, to me, that's totally wrong. And it's obviously there's sliding scales. This is kind of something that really winds me up is whenever people get touched in the face, they have to go down and hold their face. Ridiculous reaction. But also, you know, the kind of almost lauded... Um, or oh, he's made the defender have a have a nip and he's he's fallen over his leg, that kind of thing, which is again is praised as as excellent play. That also winds me up because that's still stay on your feet. Stay on your for me anyway, stay on your feet. Um Hutchie, any thoughts on this before I spontaneously combust? No, other than just what I want to hear more from you, please. But um <laughs> I, I could have un, I could have understood it if the decision I could I wouldn't. I wouldn't have agreed with it. I don't think, but I'd have understood it if he'd been sent off for it. If that makes yeah. sense, where, where or, it's or happened, if, like if Ethan Hamilton's broken his nose or he's got a yeah. fractured eye socket, absolutely throw the book at him. He's not. He was back on his feet giving interviews yeah. after the game. Ridiculous. Yeah. But the, like, look, Sam Morsey's hand made contact with Ethan Hamilton's face. It wasn't a punch. It was a. It was a push. But if if one of the officials, one of whom should definitely have seen it because it was about 15, mm. 10, 15 yards in front of him. If they'd seen it and had judged it to be sort of hands to the face and sent him off, I think I'd have understood it. But on the evidence that was available, and I'd, to then go back... If you wanted to go retrospectively it. through any 90 minutes of football, you could probably find about 20 red cards in every mm. game if that's the threshold now for... Like pushing the corners... Card. Like you have like, people push each other, grapple each other, push each other in the face, uh, things at corners. Yeah. That gets the referees kind of like that, and then go back to the corner, please. Mm. Um, but to go back and retrospectively ban him, and it's four games because he's been sent off already this season and picked up a load of cards as well. It's that that that's not kind of because they've viewed it as being a incredibly dangerous incident. It wasn't, but to 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 suspend someone for four games based on that incident. When it's not been seen by the the officials, is just is just wrong, isn't it? It's mm. um it's not great. And like Stu says, that's that's a precedent that's set now. That um what what should Ipswich do? We do, does Mark Ashton need to make a Twitter? Does Brett Johnson need to get on his Twitter next time someone um someone pushes an Ipswich player and, and call them whatever he wants to call them and, and push for a for a for a ban? Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. It's not. It's not great. It's really not great. And Ipswich are going to be without a really influential player as a result for, for until the middle of next month, which mm. is a, which is crazy, really. And that's the real kick in the teeth, isn't it? Because now, as you say, town is starting to build something, and now they've got to do it without one of their most influential, inspirational players, their captain, for a, a complete nonsense and nothing of an incident. Rossi, tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. You are right, my friend. And I've got um, some evidence here. Uh, it's a picture from Tuesday night, and uh, I think this man may have been punched. <laughs> his eye. Look at his eye. On, on video, people can see it. But yeah, was it Sam Morsey? 
Yeah. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but that's yeah. what I mean. If someone's punched, that's generally what their face looks like, especially if someone's punched by someone as, as big and powerful as Sam Morsey. They have damage on their face. That's George no... Edmondson with a massive shiner for those that are listening yeah. On, yeah. on audio only. That's come out a treat, hasn't it? That was suffered during the Atkinson game. That's a, that's a big old shiner. Mm. That's how Can we talk heart. about Andy Holt's statement in response to all of this? Go please? for it. Yeah, let's do it. The, uh, the apology was great as well, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> was it an apology? <laughs> uh, well, he said he apologised. He apologised yeah. for any offence caused, uh, but very clearly still believes what he said was correct about Sam, Sam Morsey. He said he's going to, he really hopes, he really hopes that he doesn't do it again. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he can't make can't make any promises, and that that's how he rolls. I so, love that playoff uh, line. Do you know? Do you know what it reminded me of? Was was the Mick McCarthy apology after the um, the fuck off gesture towards the fans, <laughs> where he was obviously t- when you get told that it's probably a good look if we do an apology after this, and through very very gritted teeth, you put out a a sorry not sorry, um, yeah, sorry you were offended apology. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm not really sorry. <laughs> what it does mean, of course, is next time, because Accrington Stanley had already become something of a bogey team, hadn't they, for town? And this kind of ramps it up for next time they meet, I think, that kind of well, bit of spice. They're the, new, they're the new wolf now of League One. We use the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we got onto this the other week, but League One teams as members of Gladiators, and we decided that, that the pantomime villain of Wolf was 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 Wickham, I think we decided, didn't we? Yeah. That, that, I mean, we, they've been doubled this season. That that That's done. And Accrington take up the mantle now. Who did you decide was the shadow, by the way? The the one on absolutely shitloads of gear. Allegedly. No, I don't definitely. think it is alleged. I don't think it was. No, oh, definitely. Okay. He had Just, yeah. he had yellow eyes, for God's sake. He was he was mm-hmm. on all unbeatable sorts of gear. Or unbeatable on the duel thing, yeah. though, <laughs> you, you will not win. <laughs> I don't think that's an accusation that we should be levelling at any at any club. Did you decide on a jet? Easy on the eye. Absolutely. Um, I think this needs more thought, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Think on that, Watson. We'll Hopefully come. We'll, come, the we'll use the car journey to Sheffield to come back. Yeah. We'll come back to you next week with a full list. I of, want a full uh, list of, of, of the original gladiators. gladiators. Yeah. Um, I move on to to someone who probably could have been a gladiator given his physical build. Tyree Simpson, um, recalled. Uh, I think we knew that earlier this week, didn't we? Sunday. So you talked about it on Monday's show. We didn't really know why. Um, and after the game, Stu, you spoke to, to Kieran McKenna and he gave a bit of an update, which, again, was was kind of baffling. <laughs> Do you want to bring us up to speed yeah, on that? Still, still leaves a few question, more questions than answers, probably. <clears throat> he just sort of vaguely sort of said it's a contractual issue. It wasn't my decision to, to bring him back. Uh, but it's a contractual issue and, and hopefully that will get resolved in the next few days and then we'll we'll look at potentially loaning him out again, whether that is back to Swindon or elsewhere, I don't know, but it seems a bit of a strange one. He's out of contract in the summer as it stands, which have the option to extend that, to, to take the 12-month extension option. Clearly his form in the opening half of the season, 11 goals for promotion chasing Swindon in League Two has led to Ipswich wanting to time down to a longer deal. Clearly reading between the lines, that has been difficult to kind of finish those those negotiations. And it I don't think it's a big stretch to say that they've kind of recalled him to put a bit of pressure on getting that mm. contract signed, which I don't think is a 
is a great look for me, to be honest. To kind of you can tell from Simpson's statement how gutted he is to have been brought back. Um, it's, it's not. It doesn't look great from the evidence we've no. got so far. We don't know the full picture. It's fair to say. Really, though, if if you're loaning younger players out, you would maybe and and it maybe it was different in the summer they. Sign, getting contracts done maybe wasn't top of the agenda given that a whole new squad needed to be built but you want the contracts sorted before you loan them out I know Simpson's form has probably changed everybody's thoughts about the whole the whole situation but really the clean the clean way of doing it is making sure the contract is sort of all in place and mm. then loan and then loan them out if you're loaning them out with a view to coming back maybe maybe they weren't maybe he was being loaned out with a view to that being the end for him at Ipswich at that point. And then he's gone and, by all accounts, a lot of the Swindon people I still speak to say the improvement that he has made there has been like outstanding, the level of improvement that he's managed to make in his game in six months. So maybe the game just has completely changed for them all. But um, I just think it will be, from this point on, if he's not playing regular football somewhere, Mm. Between now now and the end of the season, I think that's that's a, a bit of a travesty, really, because he's had phenomenal improvement and growth in the first half of the season, and to for that not to be able to continue um, would be a real shame. For me, I really hope they can get him back to Swindon, and um, and he can just just carry on, carry mm. on improving, and come back in the summer and see what he can do then. Mm. Rossi, you did a video, didn't you? Of course, with um, BBC Wiltshire, was it? Um, commentator, journalist. Yes. Um, talking about Tyree Simpson, which is a good watch if you want to get a bit of insight into how much he's he's improved. Um, he was it was saying exactly in this scenario, the guy said that if he was recalled, Swindon would be gutted. Yeah, I think a lot of their fans be thinking we just lost a man who scored eleven goals for us. And uh, of course, when I saw the news, I was a bit baffled. Um, but then I sort of went, mm, maybe McKenna <clears> just wants to have a little look at him. Um, that's what a lot of fans were saying <laughs> after we recorded our pod on Monday. I was thinking, oh, yeah, we should have maybe said that. Maybe McKenna wants to have a little look. He's not had a chance to look at it. I'm sure he can look at his stats and everything. But, but yeah, as as Andy said, we don't. I don't want him here and he's just going to sit on the bench and play on the 23s. You want him to be playing at least League Two. And if he's a League One club, Wimbledon. Wimbledon haven't got a striker. <laughs> maybe that's a good place for him to go. Of course, going to be fighting a relegation battle. But, you know, they need a striker. He's not going character. to get on the bench, though, is he? That's the issue. With Caden Jackson just started yeah. a game on mm. Tuesday night. There's, there's. Uh, we've talked about the options and the depth in the attacking options. He's not going to get minutes here. As as good as his development has been in the first half of the season, I think everyone got a bit carried away thinking he was suddenly going to come back and play a major role for Ipswich this season. So, yeah, hope hopefully this all gets resolved in a in the right way for all parties. Mm. Obviously, we're talking about transfer stuff. So let's continue. This is the last pod before transfer deadline day and the window slamming shut at 11pm on Monday night. Um, so let's have a little chat about sexy stuff, shall we, boys? Um, is there anything to discuss? We should uh, we should say, I've got to say, by the way, when we started this chat at, uh, at the start of January and I, I said, if town do nothing else other than sign Christian Walton and keep McCauley Bond here for the rest of the season, that's a pretty good window. They've done both of those things. We've talked about the left-sided need which no doubt you might be about to talk about. And they've also added a, a midfielder into the mix as well. So things are going not too badly at all. Um, Hutchie, Stewie, one of you want to kick us off here on, on sexy stuff and what you'd expect or might happen over the next few days before that window slams shut? 
I still think the left side is one that I'd be I'd be looking at. Obviously, Kane Vincent Young can't play at the weekend. It's only a one game ban for his red card the other night, but that's still that's still a position I'd potentially be be looking at. And if they're going to add something between now and Monday, that would be that would be top of the list for me. But I think outgoings is probably the 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 more likely um, in the next few days in terms of how in terms of numbers. I think there'll be more more goings than than Cummings at Ipswich between now and the deadline. Scott Fraser was linked, Daily Record, um, shared a story earlier this week, linking him with a move to Swansea, which is not the first time that's been that's been made. I think they, they reported that earlier in December as well. Six-figure sum, Russell Martin looking to bring him to Swansea City. Scott Fraser's not played since that rather lamentable display in the first half at Barrow in the FA Cup. Um, Scott Fraser, Stewie, is he someone that it's just not really worked out for? Can you see him moving on? Uh, possibly you can you can see certain boxes being ticked here with with Martin uh, the fact that he's Ipswich just haven't found a place for him and the way that they're playing at the moment again it's hard to see where where he fits in it would be a real shame because he's he's a very good football player and we've seen we've seen flashes of that at times but sometimes your your pathway feels like we were talking about this on the journey back. That sometimes I think those first ten games at a football club really kind of set you on a certain path in terms of your reputation amongst fans, how you feel about the fit of the club. Um, and Scott Fraser hasn't got off on that that right pathway, and it's it just feels like it's heading a certain way. And if Ipswich, there's a get out here. If Ipswich feel that they can make their money back mm. or the best part of their money back. Um, and that will provide Kieran McKenna with a bit of leeway in the summer to do something that he wants to do. Maybe that, that that's something that they'll look at. He's, he's, it's important to say he's missed the last couple of games. Who at the club say has been sort of a minor knee injury. Um, but wouldn't shock me this one. Anything else you're expecting, liking, hoping will happen to you? Well, McKenna, asked, after the game on Tuesday, Kieran said that there was still one or two we are speaking to. It's not impossible that there'll be an addition before the end of January. He's com- comfortable with what we have. It's a good squad. We've got cover for most positions. But if we can find that extra little bit of quality or extra little bit of something different, then we'll do it. So um, watch this space, I guess. The obvious one is that that left side, as, as Andy says, Vincent Young now suspended uh, for Saturday, which is a real shame. His stop-start season continues will it be Matt Penny that returns to face his former club he's missed a couple of games which I think is a, a slight hamstring niggle um Hayden Coulson he, he said is uh is back in training I think that would be a massive ask for him to suddenly parachute into the starting 11 having been out for for so long Carl Edwards is another option down the left hand side so there, there are bodies there but I still think that that would be an, an area of the squad that they might like to uh to do something with, you would imagine. Hmm. Centre okay. half as well as, of course, is, you know, if they, as well as that back three's playing at the moment, you've got Cameron Burgess backing them up and that that's it really. So might be that they look for uh, another, another player at centre half. Okay. We shall see. Um, obviously that deadline is on Monday. I doubt we'll record a, a pod until now after it's shut, slam shut, excuse me. Um, so either Monday night, Tuesday morning, we, we may reprise the, uh, the late night, 
podcast actually do you remember that when i was on the whiskey after the year uh, the first <laughs> the yeah. first that that summer, that summer transfer window like no other um 11 30 at night uh anyway uh before we move on to, to sheffield wednesday which is a massive game hutchie let's do as we always have to do and play what's hutchie's kit of the week of your right hand shoulder i'm not going to move my shoulder because i, I i'm going to you're going to guess it for what it is for for audio listeners it's a slightly orangey gold and maroon halved kit and i'm going it's to reveal reveal little bits as we go it's obviously a european kit isn't it because you say that you don't really have english kits but is it a european kit we're talking it's a european well yeah yeah it's a european kit um, I've, I've got a guess go on I'll, go on you guys go for you got any I've, have you got I've any got, takers ab- absolutely no idea galatasaray that's what i was gonna say oh bang oh Oh, nice. Stewie's doing Watson. There we go. <laughs> Galatasaray. Superb. Any any progress on getting that much sought after, not available for purchase black away kit, Hutchie? Nope. They're going to wear it on Saturday, though, aren't they? So well, there we go. If there's a pitch there... invader at the end of the game, <laughs> I'll take my little sign. Just wrestling. Janoy, can I have your shirt? <laughs> a little cardboard, big cardboard sign from the. He's your target, team. is he? You've decided he's the one that couldn't uh, say no. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think he's potentially the target. Um, is, is, is Sheffield Wednesday not where you got into the dressing room that time? I remember you did a, a post match um, video in a dressing room one game. Was that not Sheffield Wednesday? Might have been. We're not allowed anywhere near that kind of thing anymore. Oh, um, okay. COVID. Yeah. Stuart, Stuart Watson ate one of Paul Warren's sandwiches once. <laughs> <laughs> and what, you ate his old sandwich, didn't you? Out of off, off the desk in his office at, at Rotherham. Just, that was just good. Mind sweeping the leftovers. I love, I love that. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure we've been in. Maybe we've been in the Hillsborough dressing room, but we won't. Be, I doubt we'll be getting anywhere near that this time. Rossi, can't you work your your contacts? You and your boy Macaulay Bond. You, you could get him. Uh, you could get Hutch's shirt, couldn't you? We may have to wait until the end of the season because I'm sure they good still luck. need to use them. Yeah. <laughs> They're that under lock and key. They've only got a hundred of them. I only got a hundred of them. Wow. Yeah. That's 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 the mission towards the end of the season now is to get Hutch one of these shirts. Anyway, the mission on Saturday is of course Sheffield Wednesday away. Stuart Watson, I'm about to make a bold, it's not really a bold statement, it's just a statement. This is the biggest game of the Kieran McKenna era so far. Agree, disagree. Uh it's the biggest game because it's the next game. <laughs> there we go. Cliches all around. The there biggest game go. since the last game. I don't but know. Is... You could argue the first game was the biggest game because that kind of set the tone for everything that followed. But it's a big Ipswich, game. Can we agree Ipswich on that? Away, Ipswich away at Hillsborough in League One. Um, both of them challenging for the top six. They've got a couple of games in hand. Ipswich leapfrogged them at the weekend. Of course, it's a big game. Of course, mm. it is. Um, it, I think the win on Tuesday night means that you can go into this not with the attitude that you want to go and get a draw, but I think a draw would 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 be acceptable because you've then got, as Andy mentioned earlier, the bottom two to follow in Gillingham and Doncaster. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, they're not they're not in red hot form themselves. Sheffield Wednesday they lost. Uh, they lost to Oxford 3-2 at the weekend. They beat Plymouth before that, but they've lost to Shrewsbury. They got battered 5-0 by Sunderland before that. So three defeats from their last four, slipping a little bit. Um, 
yeah, I think everyone can go there just really looking forward to a, a big away day at, at Hillsborough and we'll see what it brings. Hmm. Hutchie, this is a game that Town, it's important for them because obviously Sheffield Wednesday are immediately beneath them. So you want to either, ideally you want to beat sides like that, but um, you don't want to lose to sides like Sheffield Wednesday in terms of the league position. Yeah, that's the big thing. Don't don't lose it. Um, they've done well to get above them, um, mm. which means obviously a draw would keep them above them. Um, you're getting to the point where you, you can't be losing the, the rematches with teams like Oxford, Plymouth, um, the teams that you need to jump above to get into those positions. They're they're the big ones now. Um, mm. But you have to keep doing the business in the in the games with Gillingham, Doncaster as well, because if you drop points drops what we, we might view as silly points in those games, you, you you put even more pressure on yourself on these bigger games. So, um, yeah, if uh, going, I'll be very happy with a draw. Come away from Hillsborough with a draw. I'll be very, very, very happy with that. And Rossi, your boy Bon, uh, he was rested on Tuesday night. Surely he was rested for this very reason. There's a need to go and go balls out at Hillsborough. Mm, I don't know, you know. I, I think Norwood still has a, a case to start. But maybe he was rested. I don't know. He's Any been he's been that? practicing um, just stalking goalkeepers yeah. all week, just in, yeah, yeah. just to to repeat his trick against Bailey Peacock Farrell, who I imagine is going to maybe have a couple of wing mirrors on his shoulders going in, into this game. There's no way that happens again. But um, I, I get the feeling that this that the Bon Norwood starters for those two games was was predetermined. Um, Ahead of that weekend, that McKenna almost announced his, you know, you you start this game, you start that game. I could tell that from Bond's reaction when he came off against Atkinson. That ah, now I've got to wait. You know, now I've got to wait a week for my ne- my next game. But Norwood, good assist at the weekend. Um, his overall game wasn't um, at its peak. He uh, he, he struggled to to uh, make the ball stick, didn't he, for for a lot of the game. So I, I would imagine that. That Bond comes back in as, as the, certainly the central striker for this one. Whether Norwood plays as well and they go for the for the Bash brothers at Hillsborough and they decide that they need to to that go for that sort of uh, more physical tactic, I don't know. I'm going to say we were lauding the Bash brothers not too long ago. Is that now not a thing? Horses for courses, I think. Um, right. I, I, I'm sure we will see it again. What would you do with the side, Hutchie? Obviously, we know Morsey can't play. But other than yeah. KVY, what would you do with it? I'd have Bond. Bond would be straight back in for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd be. Th- I think. I think I'd probably bring bring Bond and Chaplin in for Jackson and Norwood in that front three. I'd be actually tempted to make the whole three change again with Selena in for. Mm. Um, who am I talking? Aluko, but. But I like Aluko as well. I'm happy with that. So I'd, I'd go. I'd bring Bon and Bon and Chaplin into the side. I would hope that Lee Evans would be available. I'd, I'd, if Lee Evans is available, I'd have him straight back in as well. And the left side is. I imagine it'll probably be probably be Matt Penny um, back in on the on the left side. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that one. But yeah, that would be probably about all I'd do. To be honest, I'm not tinkering with the with the back three certainly. Um, Wes Burns clearly isn't coming out of that side, and um, yeah, I imagine Backinson will probably probably Backinson and Evans if that was available. I was going to say to you, we talked in terms of the Morsey replacement. We talked earlier this season about the closest, if you like, to Morsey being um, Idris El Mazouni. Is there any argument 
you bring him in in this game. Backinson and Carroll, if Evans isn't available, we, we said maybe a bit lightweight for a game like this. Ordinarily, I would have said yes, but the fact that he wasn't on the bench on Tuesday night suggests that's not in McKenna's thoughts. I was a little bit surprised to see that there wasn't a central midfielder on the bench, given Carroll and Backinson's kind of lack lack of game time. But um, they came through the game. Um, You hope that they will do do so again. There is obviously always a a fear that Carroll could get injured at any moment, given his his history of that in in recent years. but yeah, for me, as we said before, getting through the game at Plough Lane without Morsi is one thing. Doing it at Hillsborough is another. Massimo Luongo, who Ipswich fans will remember from his, his loan spell many years ago, he is he's had real injury ups and downs himself. But when he's fit, he's their best player by all accounts. And he has been fit for the last couple of games and has been getting some rave reviews. Barry Bannon, we know all about. I think, you know, he's, he's getting on, you know, in in terms of years now, but is still a, a very, very good player at this level. So uh, it's a, a tougher task for the Ipswich Town midfield on, on Saturday. I would go as far as saying this is where this game could be could be won and lost. Mm. Okay. Something else you did in your, your three-game spell as interim boss, Stewie, which I, I applauded, was bring back million-pound picks, which is a feature that I'd totally forgotten about. Not because I didn't like it, but because it just kind of faded away. At some point when Hutchie went on holiday in December, we, we established earlier. Um, and now it's back. I want to keep it going. Um, Hutchie, of course, does have an advantage in that he knows if Town are going to win or lose purely by what he's going to wear on his feet. Um, so what are you going for this week, Hutchie? It came back with a win as well. Um, I had it, uh, Town to score in both halves of the Accrington game, which um, which they did. So... Uh, so that came back with a win. Takes the pot up to £925,000. We're getting close to being back to where we started, which um, isn't a particularly great look because the idea was to win. Well, to be fair, you were winning until Watson spunked half of it on a, on a, on, on a bet when you were, you were off the first time. Joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you, all, you also did say, Andy, that, that another part of your bet was on Sam Morsi to score, and you said you were going to keep backing that in every game going forwards. I, I assume you might have to put, pause that now. I mean, that wouldn't be particularly good betting, would it? <laughs> no. Um, to to put that to put fifty thousand pounds, knowing that he's not available. Um, but I, once he's back, I'll keep I'll keep putting that on. I'm, I'm going very very simple this time. I'm going to ride the wave. Wes Burns to score the first goal, 25 grand, nine to one. Just ride the wave. Burns, so just a, just a goal bet, no no yep. outcome. Very simple. First okay. goal. First goal. First goal. All right. That leaves me then to ask Rossi what the score is going to be. What's going to happen at Hillsborough on Saturday? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. One, one draw. And that would be a, a decent result, wouldn't it, Rossi? Yeah, I'll be happy about that. Um, I'm looking forward to going to Hillsborough again. It's been a couple of seasons since we last went. Um, good memories going there. A few late winners. Luke Chambers, one of them. Um, I think it was 2-1 the scoreline. Um, but now I think I think a point will be good. Some fans will be shouting going, no, we're four wins out of five under Kenner. We're going to win every game. But now I think um, they've got a good home record. Only one defeat at home, um, which was against Oxford um, in October. And... Um, so uh, their home form is good. And uh, yeah, so sometimes when you go to these bigger stadiums, sometimes it can be a bit different. When we went to Bolton 
we lost against Bolton. Um, but when we go to a place like Wimbledon, well, actually, when we go to Aquiton, we, we lose there all the time. But uh, no, I think a point will be good. And 1 uh, 1 probably be a good scoreline. We're, we're, you know, short at the back. But I don't see us getting a clean sheet in this one. So 1 1 for me. Someone's been doing their research, Rossi. Very impressive. Is that ahead of doing uh, recording yeah. Meet the Opposition? Pretty much. Excellent. Uh, look out for that. That is, that is great, by the way. I love Meet the Opposition every week. A little insight into the, the side that Town are playing. So Rossi's saying 1 1. Stewie, what are you going to say? I've also said 1 1. Ross and I were agreed on a 2 0 win in midweek. That came off. Um, yeah, a, a draw. That that home record does jump off the page for for Sheffield Wednesday. They, I think they've they've been playing away a lot recently, but their home form's been been really good. It's a tough place to go. Um, I, t- I take a point and um, and then keep keep things rolling going into those those two games against Gillingham and, and Doncaster. And Hutchie, of course, as part of your prediction, we kind of need to know: Have you made a decision yet? You said before that in terms of driving, the lucky shoes. Are not are not best suited. They're a little bit rigid. So have you have you made a decision yet as to? I will I will drive us. Yeah, <laughs> I will drive us to and from Hillsborough. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, I can't not wear them. Look, I think I, personally, I think if they do get a draw, I think the, the shoes have done their job. If I'm honest, but um, you know what? I've also got one one written down to just to complete the. Uh, to complete the set, and I'm going to change my million pound picks. I'll, I'll, I'll chuck that in with Wes Burns, uh, put it in together. Wes Burns first scorer ends one one, same twenty five grand, but that will win one point one point six million. So, and then I'll, I then I then I'm off. That's that's me done. So, <laughs> Sorry, uh, that that single bet will net one point six million if it comes in. Twenty five thousand pounds on Wes Burns to score first in a one one draw will win one point six. One million six hundred nineteen thousand nine hundred fifty-five pounds, wow. to be exact. I'm, I'm off to bet a, a chunk of the Heath Estate on that very result. Then, in that case, <laughs> so you're saying one-one. I'm saying seven-nil town. Um, boys, any any other business before we we take our leave this week? I, I think, as I say, this is probably going to be the last pod before the window closes. We'll, we'll, it doesn't really make sense to do one on Monday before it shuts. So we'll probably be back either Monday night or Tuesday. I would suggest Rossi. The, the ladies played again last night, didn't they? Yeah, but I wasn't there. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> they do nil-nil. They do nil-nil. There we go. Uh, Hutchie, Stewie, anything else to mention? No other business. No other business. Stewie, Stewie you don't want to push Manscaped? Uh, no, that's your job now. That, the, <laughs> the weight, the the huge weight of that responsibility on my shoulders has been has been lifted. Yeah. Um, yeah, you stitched me up a good one. <laughs> well, all that leaves me to say then is to please do support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all their excellent clobber. I myself was using the Weed Whacker this morning, Hutchie. It's come to something that sort of age. Get the Weed Whacker out at least once a week. It is tremendous. There we go, Hutchie. Just having a little trim up on camera. Um, there we go. What a product. <laughs> that, is, that is the nose product, just to, just to yeah. clarify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's what you mean there, Stu. Yeah, that would have been, uh, God, painting pictures there for, for the audio listeners. Actually having a trim up on camera. Um, <laughs> please leave us a five-star review on iTunes because um, that helps us greatly with the visibility in the iTunes charts, helps more people discover us and also follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anger on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and the Facebooks. Um, we will be back next week. If you're going to Sheffield Wednesday this weekend, enjoy the game. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. I'll speak to you again next time.
true crime to football, Brexit to Pokeville. More great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.